Well, tonight as we focus on building our biblical IQ, we want to focus on a unique subject, perhaps for you and for me. Uh, anybody need an outline? I'm getting, anybody? There's one or two. Anybody? Do we still have outlines? Jamie, I promise next time. I, 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 I'm going to be honest with you. I thought, uh, I thought, you know, it's crowd's going to be down, uh, bad weather. We got the reception. Uh, I apologize. I'll have to, I'll do better next time. Have more copies for you. Okay. Tonight is an interesting study, an intriguing study, really, because we're going to be talking about Jesus and Moses. I don't. It's not very often that you see that combination, yet it really is uh, an important study because Jesus and Moses are key figures throughout the Bible. Now, our core verse tonight is Deuteronomy 18.15. Now, the reason I'm bringing this book to you tonight is because I want to remind you that this is, this is kind of my launching pad, this book called Core 52. And in this book for tonight's chapter, they suggest that the core verse is Deuteronomy 18.18. I'm taking issue with that and say, no, I believe the core verse should be Deuteronomy 18.15. And I think you'll see why in a little bit. So uh, I really recommend you to get this book if you want to just kind of read it and go along with us. Great resource. Uh, I will tell you that I'm not using it very much. Now, there may be nights that I, I teach directly from the book, but I'm not using it very much so far. But it is kind of a launching pad for me, and I really like the, the concept of core verses. And so if you want to get that book, you can kind of follow along with us if you like. But again, they say the core verse is Deuteronomy 18.18, 18, but I think really that a better core verse is Deuteronomy 18.15. If you have your Bibles, I know you have your notes there, but if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to open your Bibles and see this and maybe even mark this as a core verse in your Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 18. Deuteronomy chapter 18, looking now at verse 15. The Lord your God, now let me tell you who's speaking here. Moses is speaking near the end of his life. And Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. You must listen to him. If you need an outline, raise your hand. And Brandon, if you got outlines, you can bring around, brother. Thank you. All right, so this is our core verse. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. You must listen to him. Now, in some ways, that was a, a prophecy that was continually being fulfilled throughout the Old Testament because each generation had another Moses, if you will. Each generation had another leader. But the ultimate fulfillment of that prophecy uh, was Jesus. And so that's what I want to focus on tonight. And the question we want to look at is, how did Jesus fulfill the promise to replace Moses? Well, <clears throat> I want you to look at verse 15 with me. And I think there's a place on your notes there. Uh, the prophet whom Moses foretells will bear these qualities. There's four qualities there on your notes First of all, he'll be raised up by God. He'll be raised up by God. It comes right out of verse 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet. 
So this one who is coming to replace Moses will be raised up by God. Number two, he will come from among the Israelites. The Lord your God, it says in verse 15, will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. So this prophet is going to become, is come from the Israelites. He's going to be a Jew. Number three, he will be like Moses. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, Moses said. So this prophet that is to come would be like Moses. And number four, he will be worthy of being heard and obeyed. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. You must listen to him. I would encourage you right now, take your Bible. If you haven't marked the whole verse, at least mark that last phrase, you must listen to him. We're going to come back to that in a little bit. So, here's the the core verse. The Lord your God is going to... Moses is saying this. Moses is near the end of his life, and Moses says to the people, I need you to understand something. I know you're upset that I'm leaving, that I'm not going to be able to go with you into the promised land. I know you feel abandoned. I know you feel like, who's going to be our leader now? And Moses said, let me calm your fears, and let me tell you what God is, is up to. The Lord your God... Or is it, will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. You must listen to him. Now, can I say to you that next to Abraham, Moses is the man most likely or most revered in the entire Old Testament. The, the two key figures, the two giants of the Old Testament, if you will, are Abraham. We talked a little bit about why that's true, man of faith, and Moses, the lawgiver. So I want you to talk to me real quickly, just real quickly. I want you to list some of the reasons that Moses was so prominent and so great and so respected by the Hebrew people. What are some of the things that Moses did or accomplished that would raise his status that he would be considered one of the greats of the Old Testament? What, what, what are some of the things that he did? Ten Commandments. God gave him the Ten Commandments. Very good. What's another one? Okay, I heard two, two or three things. He led them out of, out of Egypt. He led them out of slavery. He led God's people. Two to three million of them. He led God's people out of slavery. And not just led them out of Egypt, but he led them into the promised land. He was the man God used. What else? He was absolutely entrusted with God's power. He, he was able to do things that ordinary men could, not, could never do. What else? Huh? What about it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Give me another one. You know anybody else like that, Terry? <laughs> me either. The, the Bible says, the Bible says that Moses was so unique that he saw God like face to face. There's at least one or two more. Can you come up with them? He was humble. Yeah, the Bible says, you know, there was nobody quite like him. He was so meek. There was nobody quite as meek as Moses. Yet he was so prominent. That's the interesting thing. So prominent, yet so humble. What? Stood up to Pharaoh. Absolutely. There's a man of great courage. Yes. Yeah, yeah. God brought him up to the top of Mount Sinai. I said, let's have a conversation. And God gave him 
what we call the law. And so the last similar or the last prominent thing I would tell you is if you read your Bible starting in the book of Genesis and you read through the first five books of the Old Testament, you need to recognize that the author of all five books of the Old, first five books of the Old Testament was Moses. He wrote what's called the Pentateuch, the, book, the five books. First five books of the... So when any Jew, watch this, when any Jew would look back on the, the giants of the Bible, Moses was at the top of the list. Moses was the high watermark in Judaism. Because not only did he do all of those things, but for the Jew, for the Jew nearly everything about their faith had Moses' fingerprints on it. Uh, you need to make sure you understand that. Nearly everything about their faith. Now, Abraham, yes. Abraham was known for his faith. But the Jewish faith was developed through Moses. Through the words that God gave Moses and the things that God did through Moses. The entire Jewish religious system came through Moses. So, here's the prophecy. Our, our core verse. Moses said, there's coming a prophet after me who will be like me. You need to understand that the people of God took that seriously. And they said, well, if, if Moses said it, it's going to happen. And so guess what they were looking for? They were looking for the prophet. Guess what, what is echoed through the entire Bible? They're looking for this prophet. Because Moses said, God's going to send another prophet like me. Now, for sake of time, let's fast forward to the New Testament. And the people in that day are still looking for the prophet. It's interesting, when you go to John chapter 1, on the banks of the Jordan River, the Jews questioned John the Baptist about who he was and why he was baptizing. John chapter 1. I hope you've got your Bible because we're really going to look at some good stuff here. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. Word had gotten out that there's this man out there on the Jordan, and he's got a big crowd, and he claims to be somebody, but they're not exactly sure who, and he's preaching and prophesying, and, and he's got this great interest growing and, and so they're starting to wonder well who is this guy now this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was he did not fail to confess but confess freely I am not the Christ you probably know this but in case you need to write a note somewhere or in your column of your Bible when you see the phrase the Christ it is always referring to the Messiah now, if it just says Christ, then, then uh, the word Christ means anointed one. But when you see the Christ, it is a reference to the Messiah. And so John says very clearly, because they're wanting to know, who are you? John said, well, first of all, I'm not the Messiah. Now, the Jews were looking for the Messiah. John said, that's not me. So watch this, verse 21. They ask him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? I am not. Are you what? Are you the prophet? 
He answered them, no. Are you the prophet? See, this clearly shows that even in the days of the New Testament, they were looking for the fulfillment of this prophecy that Moses had been given, or that Moses gave. And I want you to notice something interesting. These Jews in the New Testament days distinguished between the Messiah and the prophet. As New Testament Christians, we do not. As New Testament Christians, we believe the Messiah and the prophet are one and the same. But for these Jews in the days of the New Testament, they distinguished between the two. They were separate in their mind. There was the prophet who would come, and then there was the Messiah who would come. Let let me show you this in the text. Um, Verse 24. Now some Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? So in their minds, clearly there's a distinction between the Christ and the prophet. John plainly informs them that he's not the prophet. But then he pointed them to someone who was. Look look what he says, verse 26. Now remember, he says in verse 25, are you the Christ or are you the prophet? And they said no, or he says no. So verse 26, I baptize you with water, John replied. But among you stands one of you, But among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. What do you think happened to their eyes when they heard that? No, I'm not the prophet. No, I'm not the Christ. But there is one standing among you You, you know they got to be looking around. You know they, their heart starts to beat a little faster. You know their eyes are about this big and their mouth is dropping. One among you who is. Who is what? He didn't say. Now later, if you read just a few more verses, later uh, the next day when John sees Jesus, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He clearly identifies him later. But right here... He's just kind of, like, like, well, like you did, Daniel, you just kind of give him a teaser, you know. There's one among you, there's one among you who is. Now, go back to Deuteronomy, put your finger here, go back to Deuteronomy 18, 15, or you can look at it on your notes. I put it on your notes, didn't I? You can look at it either on your notes or in your Bible. Deuteronomy 18, 15. The Lord your God will, re- will raise up for you a prophet like me, watch this, from among your own brothers, from among you. The Lord your God will raise up a prophet from among you. I don't think it was by accident that John the Baptist said what he said that day. When he said in verse uh, 26, I baptize you with water, John replied, but among you, Stands one you do not know. It was a hint, I believe, to Deuteronomy 18, 15. All right? So, so that begins to pique our interest. We have John the Baptist, and he's, he's clearly saying, I'm not the prophet that you're looking for. But we learn from that that the Jews were indeed still looking for this prophet that Moses talked about in Deuteronomy 18, 15. 
Then we go to the book of Acts. Go over to the, to the book of Acts, right past John. In the book of Acts, first part of the book, uh, Peter is early in the book, is preaching in the temple. And it's interesting what his sermon is about. Let me give you the context. Acts chapter 1, Jesus is taken up into heaven. Disciples go back to the upper room and they're praying. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches to the crowd and 3,000 people are saved as they hear the good news of Jesus. Uh, That's Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 3, Peter is going to the temple one day at the time of prayer and a man crippled from birth was there and Peter speaks to him and raises him up and he's healed. And then there's a huge crowd of people that are wanting to know, how did you do that? Who are you? Verse 11, chapter, Acts chapter 3, verse 11. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. And when Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness uh, we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant who? Don't miss that. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we're witnesses of this. Keep reading. Verse 17. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through the prophets, saying that his Christ, or his Messiah, would suffer. Verse 19. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Verse 21. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. Watch this, verse 22. For Moses said... The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Does that sound familiar to you? Isn't it interesting that when Peter is preaching there at the temple, and he's preaching there in the early chapters of Acts, one of the very first things he points the people of God to was something that Moses said way back in the Old Testament days. And he links what Moses said to Jesus. Moses talked about God would send the prophet. Guess what his name is? Jesus. So so it's very clear that here, Peter is quoting Deuteronomy 18.15. That's why, by the way, I said I think the core verse should be Deuteronomy 18.15, not verse 18, because throughout the Bible, you'll find verse 15 quoted again and again. So we're in the book of Acts. Peter's preaching a sermon at the temple. He affirms that Jesus is the prophet that Moses had talked about. Let's go on over while we're in Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. 
Stephen is addressing the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 7, right before he is to die, be martyred for his faith. And in verse 36, here's what he says. He, speaking of Moses, he led them out of Egypt and did wonders and miraculous signs in Egypt at the Red Sea and for 40 years in the desert. Look at verse 37. This is what Moses, who told the Israelites, God will send you a prophet like me from, from your own people. He was in the assembly of the desert with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our fathers, and he received living words to pass on to us. I love that phrase, he received living words to pass on to us. Stephen was saying, oh, just remember now, if you want to know who Jesus is, remember what Moses said about the prophet. And remember what Moses received from God? He received from God living words to pass on to us. Guess who the living word is? Name is Jesus. The beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus said in another, I don't have the reference, I'm just going on memory. Jesus said in another place, I am the Word of life. I am the living Word. So again, we're just taking pieces of the puzzle here, trying to understand this connection. We'll bring it all together in a moment, but this connection between Jesus and Moses. Um, we don't have time, I'm, I'm I'm already running out of time, but if you want to get this from me later, I'll send it to you. There's, there's at, least, at least 10 ways that Jesus is similar to Moses. At least 10 ways uh, that they were similar to Moses. It's kind of intriguing. To, that would be another really good study sometime, but I'm going to have to skip that. Uh, I want to go now to the book of Luke, chapter 9. Luke, chapter 9. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus takes Peter, John, and James on a mountain. We call it the Mount of Transfiguration. He went up there to pray. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up on a mountain to pray. By the way, look, that's one of the reasons that, uh, that I love to go to Israel is because you don't move a mountain, you know? still there. We drove by that, we literally drove by that mountain. And uh, so, by the way, I'm just throwing in a commercial here. On Wednesday nights, not this Wednesday, but a week from this Wednesday, I'm going to be doing some teaching based on the land of Israel. I'm going to show you some pictures, show you some things in Scripture, how those things come together. This would be one example. Verse 29, as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men. Two men appeared on the mountain. Who were they? Moses and Elijah. Moses, the great Old Testament deliverer and the lawgiver. Elijah, the representative of the prophets. Jesus many times spoke about the law and the prophets. And here you have the law and the prophets. Moses, the law. Elijah, the prophets. Now let's keep reading. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. Now, they didn't just show up to hang out. They didn't just show up to impress Peter, James, and, uh, and John. 
They're talking to Jesus. I wonder what they're talking about. Well, thankfully we know. They spoke, verse 31, they spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. He spoke about his departure. Now, boy, we, we can take some time here, but the word departure, you know what the Greek word for the word departure is? Exodus. They spoke about his exodus. Moses, Elijah, on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus, prior to his death, they appeared to him and spoke about his exodus, his death. And through that exodus, he would deliver the world from the bondage of sin. I got chill bumps just thinking about that, but let's keep going. Um, verse 30, um, oh, verse 32, Peter and his, <laughs> this is the verse that just kind of blows my mind. Peter and his companions were very sleepy. Are you serious? You got Moses and Jesus and Elijah, for goodness sake, and you're falling asleep? <laughs> oh my goodness okay so Peter and his companions were very sleepy and when they became fully awake they saw his glory and the two men standing with him now maybe the reason they were falling asleep maybe the Lord was up there praying a long time they were waiting a long time for him to get done and they started getting drowsy but watch verse 33 as the men were leaving Jesus Peter said to them master it's good for us to be here let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And then I love this. He did not know what he was saying. <laughs> Just like Peter, but he had to say something, right? He didn't know what he was saying, but he had to say something. Verse 34, while he was speaking. Now watch this. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped them. And they were afraid, and they entered the cloud, as they entered the cloud. And a, watch this. And a voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I have chosen. What are the next words? Have you heard that anywhere? Remember underlining in Deuteronomy? Deuteronomy 18.15. What's, what's the last part of Deuteronomy 18.15? I'm going to send you this prophet. And when I send you this prophet, tell me the last few words. You must listen to him. I'm going to send you this prophet. And when he shows up, you must listen to him. This was the prophecy that Moses gave the people. God's going to send the prophet. And when he comes, listen to him. And now God announces, this is my son, the prophet, parentheses. You must listen to him. All right, so here we have, I'm, I'm going to bring it to a conclusion. And here, here, here's what we have. We have Moses, the man who is probably the high water mark of the Old Testament. 
and, and the only reason I say I know you could put Abraham up there as well, but you know it's it's hard to who decides or who to make number one, who to make number two. But I think we could say that with all that he did, the writing of the first five books of the Old Testament, et cetera, Moses was indeed at least one of the high water marks of the Old Testament. And for many of the Jews, Moses was the greatest man of the Bible. In fact, he was, in the eyes of many of the Jews, too great. For many of the Jews, they were saying, well, yeah. I mean, Jesus, Jesus was a great man, and but he wasn't Moses. He didn't write the first five books of the Bible. He didn't bring the Ten Commandments. He didn't meet with God on, on Mount Sinai. I mean, he, wasn't, he didn't lead the people out of, out of Egypt and out of slavery and into the promised land. I mean, yeah, Jesus was a wonderful teacher and prophet, but, but he wasn't Moses. And so we come to the book of Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. If your Bible has chapter headings, what is the chapter heading over Hebrews chapter 3? Jesus is greater than Moses. The writer of Hebrews understood that this was an underlying problem in the New Testament church because many in the New Testament church were Jews. And Moses was the, was the high water mark for the Jews. Moses was, was like the hero of the Jews. And so they, they were willing to say, yes, I acknowledge Jesus is is somebody special, but he wasn't Moses. And the writer of Hebrews said, no, you got it all backwards. You're right, Jesus wasn't Moses. Jesus was greater than Moses. Let's just read the text. We don't have time to do anything else. Therefore, holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Moses. No. Therefore, holy brothers who share in their heavenly calling, Fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of a greater honor than Moses. Just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself, for every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was a faithful servant in all God's house, testifying... To what, would, to what would be said in the future, but Christ is faithful as a son over God's house. I wish we had time to dig into that. He basically says, listen, Moses is in the house, but Christ is over the house. And we are his house if we hold on to what our courage and the hope that we boast. Verse 16 Who were, they, who, who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned and whose bodies fell in the desert? And to whom did God swear that he would, they would never enter rest, if not those to who disobeyed? So we see that they were unable to enter because of their unbelief. And he's making the case here, listen, yes, Moses was a great leader, but when Moses was on the job, not everybody believed, and, and some people turned away from God, but Jesus is the great leader who leads people out of bondage, leads people out of slavery, and he wasn't just, watch this, he wasn't just a leader for Israel, he was a gift for the whole world. And so I'm going to close with Acts chapter 13. I keep saying I'm going to close, and I promise you I will by 9 o'clock. 
Now, I'm, this, I promise you, this is the last verse, and we're still going to end early. Acts chapter 13, verse 38. Therefore, my brothers, therefore, my brothers, Acts 13, verse 38, therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from the law of Moses. Case settled. Moses was God's messenger. Jesus was God's answer. Moses was a leader sent from God. Jesus was the Savior given by God. Moses gave the law. Jesus fulfilled the law and provided your salvation and mine. God bless. Amen.